Hi everyone, I'm Colby Horton. And I'm Frank Humata. And we'd like to welcome you to another episode of Engaging in the Next, an original podcast from Association Briefings, where we talk about what's next for the association community when it comes to technology, Marcom strategy, people, membership, and money. So Frank, this is our last episode of 2022. Cue Mariah Carey, it's the holiday season already. Wow. Right? And this year has really flown by. You have any holiday plans? Uh, I'll be heading down to majestic San Antonio later this month to visit family. And I need to figure out when I'm doing holiday shopping. I feel like anytime I ask my parents what they want, they always say, oh, we don't need anything. And I'd feel terrible if I didn't get them anything, right? Yeah, you'd be a terrible son. I (laughs) guarantee. I mean, I get it. Uh, By the way, hey, before your trip, I want to get you a gift. Uh, Colby, I don't need anything. See, you're doing exactly what your parents do. Well, this is way different, though. Okay. So, question. What's something you use every day that you may need more of? Ooh, this would be fun. Uh, I, use, I use clear cell face wash every day, and I've been doing that since 1995. Clean skin needs to clear skin. Keep America beautiful. Use it. Clear cell daily face wash. It's one cleaner cleanser. <laughs> so, you took me pretty literal there. <laughs> I mean, like, they had some pretty impactful commercials when I was in fifth grade, and like, it kind of terrified me to use any other soap, specifically a hand soap, all on my face forever. So I would say that's the brand I'm most loyal to. So I didn't expect to segue into our topic with a discussion about face wash, but I'll give it a go. Uh, because instead of chatting about product brand, we're talking about one's personal brand. See what I did there? You mean like me being the guy who, who never wears ties and then smiles all the time? Yeah, I, I guess sort of. Uh, so, Frank, you like to talk about yourself a lot. <laughs> Give me three keywords that describe you. I guess I'm not saying modest. Um, <laughs> I would say, I'd say I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm approachable. Uh, I mentioned earlier I smile a lot, so I feel at, at conferences or just in everyday life, you know, I'm not someone very intimidating to talk to. I would say I'm, I'm reliable. I don't like seeing a bunch of emails in my inbox or unanswered text messages. I like to respond to those. I'm, you know, pretty punctual, so I'm never late. So pretty reliable there. And I guess I'm I'm competitive, but like a, a playful competitive where I might talk a little trash, but it's all in good fun. All right. So there you go. You've now started the process of developing your personal brand. And we've got a lot more advice on that topic coming your way in this episode. So today we're joined by a passionate digital marketing and communications pro, Allegra Tasaki, who has helped organizations grow their brands human to human, member to member. Her focus is on connecting an organization's mission with the people and communities who are served. While her day job is communications director with the National Association of Bond Lawyers, she also moonlights as a volunteer storyteller with several 501c3 nonprofits, including Stop AAPI Hate, Montgomery Housing Partnership, and Shepherd's Table. Welcome to the podcast, Allegra. Thanks for having me. This is so much fun. As a total extrovert, you can imagine, I'm like, woohoo, this is my heaven. Uh, Awesome. We're excited about the topic. I I think this will be good. So I I think there's a lot of professionals out there that have heard the term personal branding, but never quite understood what it meant or its full impact on authenticity, career advancement, credibility, you name it. it. impacts a lot. 
And I also think there's a segment of the professional population that thinks the term is only associated with influencers or Gen Y, Gen Z. So to start us off today, can you define personal branding and why it's important? Yeah, I sure can. So I went on a journey of uh, figuring that out for myself. I spent the time over the pandemic doing that because I figured I'd either get a career coach or a therapist. And so I decided on a career coach who kind of was a therapist. (laughs) (laughs) And the interesting thing about a career coach is that they will help you develop your personal brand, but also help you define it for who you are. So it might mean one thing to me, but it could mean something to another person. But I think in a nutshell, it's sort of like um, figuring out what your keywords are. So like I took some time to figure out who I was as a person and what I bring to the table as a person and the things that I do and I do well. And so if you take a look like at my LinkedIn profile, the things that I consider my personal brand are, are brand evangelism. Um, I'm a content strategist and I'm a digital innovator. I have a few other things up there too that sort of support that, but those are like my three things for my elevator speech that I would say that I do well, that I've done over time and have experience with, and that I'm constantly learning more new things about as I sort of develop myself as a person and also as a professional. And I think branding is something that we're familiar with in terms of like the corporate world, like, oh, we all know Nestle. We all know Folgers, you know, those kinds of things, Nike, right? But personal brand means, I think, who you are as a person and what you bring to the table as a professional. And that's, I think, how I loosely define that. The other thing to think about is anytime you're sort of in person or online, you want to be who you are, But you also want to be able to communicate sort of like the mic drop communications. That's why the keyword process is so important. And that is one piece of me, but there are other pieces of me. I'm a mom. I am, you know, I have kids who are competitive swimmers. So I'm a swim mom. That's a whole other level of being a mom. But that's also who I am as a person. And sometimes that's appropriate to bring in to the professional space. And sometimes it's just not. (laughs) So having those filters, which I don't always have when something <laughs> I working on, I, I, I try to be polished, but I also want to be who I am as a person. And then that's what's really key to having a successful personal brand. And I'd say for this year, I figured out most of the keys to success for my own personal brand. Well, Laker, where does one start? You know, what are some ways an association exec can define and promote their personal brand? Well, you know, I mentioned career coach or therapist, Um, depending on where your headspace is. You know, we all just went through the pandemic. It's still kind of not over, so to speak. We're trying to figure out what the work world is like, you know, remote work, hybrid work, in-person work, those kinds of things. But then also what works best for us as an individual. And then how can you, you know, navigate that territory for yourself? It's so easy to do it for your friend. So if you have to start with a friend first, and they're sort of going through the same kinds of struggles. Sometimes what you can do is start with your friend and even before you hit your own career coach or therapist, whichever one you decide to go with, start with your friend and and give them advice or think about the advice that you would give to them and then start taking your own medicine. So I went with a career coach because I actually spoke to a couple of folks and they were like, yeah, you know, 
we're in this kind of weird time and we just don't know what's going to happen and when we're going to open back up. So I spent that time deciding to work with another professional who also had been in marketing and I really benefited from that. I would say that one of the first things she had me do is the keyword process and think about who am I and what do I bring to the table and how can I communicate that in mic drop communications? And that's pretty much where I started. I think that I also shopped stuff around to a couple of very trusted colleagues and friends, and they were very good about providing me some of that feedback. You know, it's, it's hard to tell somebody, well, you know, you're a little too wordy or you don't have any metrics or you know, maybe you might want to rethink putting every little detail down of, of every job. Think about your bullet points. Even though I started with that with colleagues and friends, it was the career coach who actually helped me with the slash and burn. They'll be the most honest with you, I'm sure. Yes. I love these terms that you're bringing out because I think you're really defining personal branding so well. And it's so correlated with building a website for your brand. You keep talking about, you know, these mic drop communications, these keywords that go along with who you are, the way you write your, your website is kind of brief, bullet pointed. You're bringing all this into the conversation. I think it's really defining what personal branding is on that level. Just like creating a website or a marketing campaign around a specific brand, there's costs associated with personal branding, right? Oh, Yeah. The thing is, is that a career coach has, there's like a certain range and I'm not going to go into that here, but there is a certain range and it is a serious investment. And you kind of don't want to go outside that range, mainly because you're not going to get what you really need. Like I said, you know, the slash and burn that the career coach did for me, her name's Stacy, by the way, Stacy was awesome. And it was really hard. Like she did the slash and burn for my personal branding on LinkedIn. She gave me some hints about my website, but she also um, helps me with mock interview, which I have to say is really, really painful to watch yourself go through. Like yeah. I, that was not fun. And she helped me with negotiating. And I think for me too, I picked a woman because we had some of the same experiences and she was able to sort of, you know, kind of steer me in the right direction. And she also had some of the same uh, professional background in marketing, not in nonprofit, but in marketing. And so you have to sort of find the right fit, just like a therapist, (laughs) (laughs) you know, you do have to find the right fit. That investment was really great. It's the time investment though. That's even more, I would say taxing, so to speak, Uh because you spend a lot of time sort of thinking about a lot of different things and you come up with your keywords. Say you come up with like 10 keywords or strings, and then you got to slash and burn. And what's to slash and burn? Well, only you really know your coach is only going to take you so far. You still have to put in that work and organizing like my portfolio, telling the story with pieces of my portfolio, the way that I did on my website curating my LinkedIn profile. Like I just even updated it because I there are some new things that I wanted to add to it. And also thinking about the messages and the, and the things that I want to put out there in the diaspora of association space. Those kinds of things take time to strategize, plan, and then execute. And then you're not done even after you've executed them. There's editing, 
and reviewing. So you edit it, then you review it, and then you have somebody else review it, and then you edit again. And it's never a one and done. People continue growing and learning. So you have to sort of be open to constantly growing and learning and then also learning how to edit back. Yeah, you're writing your own story. It's like writing a, a book or a novel, right? It goes through an editing process constantly and maybe it never gets to the end. And and it appears that the cost that we're we're talking about is really outside of your coach, outside of, of some of those, you know, website costs or whatever. It's it's really the oh, cost. Those of are time. All free. Right. The website is free. Your LinkedIn profile is free. So you kind of don't have an excuse. <laughs> right. It's just that time. Yeah, it's time. It is time. time. Absolutely. You know, a lot of people say, well, you need to set aside, you know, time every week, every day. And, you know, a lot of us go, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> we know it. But until you actually uh, do it, then you start to evangelize that into your life, right? Like, mm-hmm. you do have to actually think to yourself and be very disciplined. What is the end goal? How long do I want to take to get there? And then once you know that, then you can split it up into doable increments. Sure, that makes sense. So let's talk a little bit about voice. Is there an appropriate voice to use when you're promoting yourself or your brand? And I ask this particularly when one is trying to reach today's diverse audiences. So what advice can you give here? You know, it's so funny. I think about voice in three environments. So there's a digital environment. So that could be your social, right? That's your social environment. Um, Maybe even over like email and things like that. And then there's in-person, like your in-person voice when you're actually at an event or in the workplace or, you know, in a conference, right? And then there's your casual voice in terms of who you are, you know, as a person when you're maybe not in that professional setting. One of the things I try to focus on just in life in general is to be positive about where I am. There's lots of negative things to focus on. And I've been through a lot in my life. I come from a pretty low place and a pretty tough background, but I had a lot of guardian angels. And one of the things about having guardian angels is that they always have faith in you. And I could never understand why people had, you know, faith in me. And I kind of still wonder today, (laughs) but, you know, just having people backing you is really great and helps keep that positive voice because, I think that especially, you know, in today's world, we have a lot of different people from a lot of different backgrounds and you don't want to exclude people. You don't want to offend people, but you also don't want to be generic. Uh And so I'm a mixed heritage. One of the things that I'm always really careful about is not using racial slurs, ethnic slurs, but I'm also really careful about excluding people by only speaking in a certain language or not explaining certain traditions and why they're important to me personally and to my family and sharing those traditions with others. And I got to tell you, LinkedIn is a great place to do that. It's a great place to learn about other people's traditions. So I subscribe to a number of different like newsletters and digital publications from other cultures because there's a unity in being different. Like we all kind of face some of the same challenges. And 
I've learned to speak more positively and have a better positive attitude and be more inclusive myself in that space. And the funny thing is like, I don't really care much about my own like personal, you know, metrics on LinkedIn, but LinkedIn sent me this last year. I I kept getting these messages about how well certain posts were doing and every post that was in the thousands or 10,000s or whatever that I was getting these messages about, every single one of those was a positive voice and it was multicultural. I was like, Okay, lesson learned. <laughs> right. You know, and play it straight. Don't use a lot of slang terms because it doesn't put your best foot forward. So I try not to do a lot of yes and ums and all that kind of stuff, but also not too many slang terms unless it's a certain situation or a certain sensibility or conversational item because you never know where your messages are going to end up and how they might fall on someone else's ears. Every once in a while, I do or say something that is either hurtful, obnoxious, or maybe ignorant. And one thing that I feel really good about when I make those kinds of mistakes, people have felt comfortable coming to me and saying that and saying, hey, you know, when you did this, when you said this, or I was uncomfortable when, and I I, I don't like being told that, no one does, but it's really kind when someone takes the time to take that risk to tell you that because, you know, they don't know what your reaction is going to be. And so, you know, I'm just really grateful that people feel comfortable enough to share. And that's kind of what I try to put out there, be comfortable enough to share. That's great advice. And, And by the way, you keep mentioning your LinkedIn profile, your website, et cetera. If you're okay with it, we'd love to connect to those within our show notes for this episode. So absolutely, listeners yeah. go to the show notes and we'll link over to Allegra's website and LinkedIn profile for a great example of personal branding. And I had a lot of help with that. I didn't just do it all on my own. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I did have a coach, Stacey Stoderman. She was great. And she really helped me pull those things in together. Yeah, like you mentioned a couple of times already that you're an extrovert and knowing you, I have to agree. Um, <laughs> you touched briefly on your upbringing, but have you always been an extrovert? And for those who may be shy in social settings or really not confident with their voice on LinkedIn, you know, can you have an effective voice without being vocal? Oh, yeah. So the pandemic really taught me a lot about expression. So like facial expression, bodily position, those kinds of things. Those are all pieces of your digital communications when you're doing something like this. You know, as an extrovert, I tend not to be able to empathize with introverts like at all. I can sympathize a little, but because I'm just so far gone, like I tested like 100% both times when I took the MBTI, it was that bad. So (laughs) I was like, oh my God. And one was like, uh, after, let's see, at the end of my bachelor's degree program. And then the other one was at the end of my master's degree program. That's just how it is. And so one of the things that I learned is in journalism school, they teach you about listening because you're supposed to ask questions and interviews and all those kinds of things. And so I learned a lot about active listening, but I didn't really put those skills to work until the pandemic when I had to really think about how I was interacting with people online. I learned more about watching other people and watching other people is a form of active listening and asking other people questions is a form of active listening. And I think sometimes introverts, because I'm married to one, by the way, 
<laughs> we scored 100% on the introversion piece of it. So you can imagine what it's like here. <laughs> and so, you know, we have these talks all the time about how different we are. And um, so one of the things that he was worried about is if he's asking questions, does he sound stupid? And I said, absolutely not. And extroverts love it when you ask them questions because it gives them more of an opportunity to talk. You know? But the other thing is, too, you can ask really smart questions. So if you know a little something about a, the topic that's at hand, you can ask questions that are a little bit more detailed about that topic and you don't actually have to speak. Right. So that's one way. Another way is on LinkedIn. One of the best posts that I've had all year is the one that's up there now. And it's about women supporting women and not stabbing each other in the back, basically. <laughs> like, let's lift each other up. And one of my friends and neighbors, I mentioned her specifically because she's one of those people that sort of has helped kind of lift me up. But I didn't have to say a lot in that. I put some hashtags and I reposted a great meme. You can find content out there that represents who you are as a person, what your values are personally and professionally, and you can share those and you don't have to do a lot of putting quote yourself out there. So socially on LinkedIn, especially you can do that. And it's amazing the discussion and the conversations that you'll get off of that. People you don't even know will like it. They'll engage. They might comment. They might even repost what you have. And all you took was 10 minutes to put something out there that spoke to you and resonated. And again, keeping that positive note. Now, if you're having something like a hard time, like there have been a few posts out there that I've seen from parents who've lost a child and it's their anniversary date for that. And while that may not seem like a positive post, I think it is because it's an opportunity for people in the LinkedIn world and that diaspora to be able to just reach out and be human and support somebody else. You may not know that person, but just to say, look, I'm a parent. I support you. I feel you. I see you. That's a really positive interaction. And it may not be a lot to you, but to that parent, it means a whole lot. Just sort of balancing what your values are and keeping in the right frame of mind when you're out there. There's all kinds of content that you can reshare, repost, and think about on your own and maybe share your own insights without having to put yourself completely out there and be worried about judgment. And that's great news for the introverts out there. So personal brand is not just for extroverts. No. So make that very clear. Yes. So I'm going to switch gears just slightly because you know you talked about earlier being a swim mom and that is part of your brand you know even our home life is part of our brand the way we yes. uh, act on commutes to and from the office is part of our personal brand you know it goes beyond just your career and where you want to go with that but my question is can someone have multiple personal brands and here's where i'm coming from an association exec might want to promote his or her personal brand within the association community but yeah. might also want to build a brand within the industry he or she serves. So is this possible? And how do you keep them separate? Or do you keep them separate? Oh, you know, oh, it's, that's interesting. I think as human beings, we are multidimensional. Like you said, who you are at home doesn't necessarily change just because you go into the office. Like I'm a swim mom wherever I go. 
And yes, I do have the t-shirt. <laughs> if you're an extra introvert and you, you're a swim parent or you're a whatever parent, they have a t-shirt for that. Then you don't have to say anything. You just wear it. <laughs> Good advice. Uh, yeah. I think that your personal brand should always reflect who you are. Who are you as a person? What your values are? And so it's more of like a, a nested approach. For instance, I have certain causes that I support. I don't have like tens of thousands of dollars, but you know what I do have? I have tens of thousands of dollars of skills that I can donate. One year I put together a Thanksgiving video for a local charity. It's our soup kitchen down the street. And I work with video and media all the time on the job. So I put those skills to work. We did Thanksgiving, we served and cleaned up. I, by the way, I am a pro at dishwashing, like hands down. We didn't run out of any dishes the whole time I was there. I had on the industrial strength gloves. I had the huge sprayer and I was booking it. <laughs> and so while I was in there, I was running around taking little video clips and little pictures, you know, and making sure that I had something that I could share as a story, not just to share with other people to say, hey, this is what I done Thanksgiving. I wanted them to be able to use this video to recruit other volunteers for future Thanksgivings, but also to do, um, solicit donations, in-kind donations, monetary donations, those kinds of things. And so I put together the video and I shared it with them and, and it's out on YouTube and they can use it. I'm probably going to do another one. I'm not sure when yet. I did one for a local housing group for toys. You know, we went and we wrapped toys and I talked to a board member there and I shared that story. And so being able to take part of one of the five personal branding things that's listed on my LinkedIn profile is storytelling. So I use that piece of who I am as a person and the things that I wanted to support that I also do professionally to be able to translate that to some of my personal life and drag my family into that too. <laughs> so, you know, hey, you're required to go do this. Well, you didn't think anything, thank goodness. But I think being able to link different aspects of who you are and nest that within who you are on, on the job is really important. You just have to get creative and think about it from a different angle and ask a friend. Like I've asked friends for advice, for help. Hey, you know, I'd like to be able to do X, Y, Z. What do you think about this idea? And oftentimes, you know, they think I'm crazy, but somebody will always say, well, you could do that, but it would be better if you did this. So you can always get good ideas from your phoning a friend. <laughs> Excellent. Hey, also, we, we look forward to seeing a, a new entry on your LinkedIn profile about your professional dishwashing career, by the way. so <laughs> I know. I'm awesome at it. Get working on that. You know why it's so important? Because when you're serving meals, you don't know how many guests are going to come. You know, we're not using paper plates. You can't use paper plates for a number of different reasons. So you have to cycle through as soon as somebody's done and they drop the plate in there, you got to make sure that that gets in the rack so you can go into the dishwasher so it can serve the next round of guests. And if you have several hundred guests, you better be booking it. <laughs> Sounds like a great podcast topic. So we'll, we'll make sure we write that one down. <laughs> Allegra, how important is networking you know, beyond online channels to, to advancing one's brand? And how have you used networking to further establish yours? For someone who's an extrovert, you're always networking. Like it just, I guess it's sort of, you're sort of always in that mode. 
but I don't think of it that way. I'm just like, oh, I made a new friend today. Or, hey, I, you know, reached out to somebody because I needed some advice. And hey, guess what? They connected me with these other people. Or this year, I don't know why. It was just one of the years where I was really involved in doing all these talks. They came up sort of organically. But if you're an introvert, that's really hard. So you do have to work more at networking. And I would say if you put it in the framework of making new friends in your professional network space, and you're thinking about not necessarily about what you can gain from it, but like what you might be able to offer or asking for advice, because people will always share advice. It may not always fit what you need, but even if it doesn't fit what you need, you've reached out to someone, you've made a connection and you never know where that connection is going to lead. You know, Frank, you and I met, I was like, Hey, here's a fun person. I'm having a great time. We both love tacos. We have all these other common interests. And then next thing you know, I'm just sitting here yakking away about personal branding. (laughs) (laughs) We've talked a lot about some of the, the great things that you've done from a personal standpoint within the community. But we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about some great things that you do within the association community. Can you tell us a little bit about the Gold Circle Awards and why our listeners should be interested in them? Sure. So I didn't know a lot about the Gold Circle Awards until I came across it as a volunteer opportunity with ASAE because I'm a member. And I reached out. I said, hey, I'd like to be involved. And then I just met this fantastic group of people. So I would say we're all friends and colleagues now. This is my second year of serving on it. And the Gold Circle Awards has a number of different categories of sort of best in class association projects. So podcasts is one of them. And also things like, you know, e-newsletters, magazines, you know, those kinds of things, publications, website, rebranding campaigns. And the best thing about the Gold Circle Awards Committee is that every organization, I don't care what size you are, every organization has something to learn. There are so many takeaways that you can have with any part of work that you're performing for an association. So for me, one of the things that I was looking at were some of the ideas for e-newsletters. We're going to be remaking ours and working through some things, but It kind of confirmed for me a few things, but then it also like I learned a few things as well. And less is more is always the big, you know, lesson for everything. But I learned that text is not a bad thing. You just don't want to have a wall of it. Text and text links are great. So having certain standards and having certain models and samples are really helpful. And ASAE has always been great about providing that. But I'd say the Gold Circle Awards at the apex of what that is. And being involved in that and sort of like behind the scenes and watching a lot of other professionals from different backgrounds collaborate on this whole project, it has been a huge learning experience for me, as well as a lot of fun. And you know what? It is also for introverts. If you're an introvert and you want to get involved with the Gold Circle Awards, sign up to be a judge. Seriously. Because I think that you'll have a lot of fun doing it. And it's just a great thing to sort of have in your own, you know, professional listing. And you might end up wanting to serve on the committee after that. What's the deadline for submitting a nomination for a Gold Circle Award? We are in the process of pulling together all of the criteria. 
So once we have that together, it's it's starting to sort of come together. It's actually not going to be March. It's going to be sooner than that because we actually announce award winners at the next marketing membership and communications ASAE event. So the process was probably going to be more like January, February. I have to double check on that. Um, haven't had our, our latest meeting yet to find out uh, more about what our standards are and pulling all of that together. Allegra, this has been a lot of fun, and we want to thank you for being a part of today's discussion. Now, uh, we'd like to put you in the hot seat one last time for the final segment we'd like to call the Briefings Minute. We're going to fire off a minute worth of questions just to learn a little more about you. So give us the first answer that comes to mind. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right, here we go. With a degree in journalism, what was the most interesting story you've covered? It was Earth Day in 1990. That was the year of my graduation as well. It wasn't a great story, to be honest. It was a terrible story. But I had access to a lot of celebrities. I got to shake Stevie Wonder's hand. Whoa. <laughs> That's impressive. Hypothetical situation question for you. You're stranded on a desert island with a portable DVD player. Yes, I said DVD player. That has unlimited power. What DVD would you ideally have with you? What do you, oh, I know. It would be my own DVD with all my family movies and pictures on it. Great answer. Oh, it's a perfect answer. Yeah. <laughs> You're a proponent for effective storytelling. Who, in your opinion, is the best storyteller? The best storyteller. You know, I, I'll tell you who popped into my mind immediately. Oprah Winfrey because she's done it in media in terms of, you know, actual news reporting and things like that, but, and talk shows and what she does online now, but she's also done it through movies and not just warning in movies, but also opening it up for other storytellers. You know, as someone who helped produce Silver Spring Restaurant Week, if any combination of restaurants were available, any restaurant in the world, what would be your dream prefix menu? Oh, wow. Well, you know, we like to eat a lot of different foods from around the world. So I would like an American dim sum menu. So like an American fusion menu. So I'd love to have something from all of the different communities in our area. So something from India, something from, you know, Japan, because we all love sushi, uh, something from, you know, Mexico. We've got a lot of different flavors in downtown Silver Spring, and it would be great to take a little bite, that's what dim sum means, like a little snack um, of each one of those, something that where you could start on the hot side and then work your way down to the not so hot side. I'm intrigued and I just got hungry. <laughs> <laughs> so we've talked a lot about your positivity. You're an extremely positive person from what I can tell. When someone says good news, bad news, which news do you prefer to hear first? I always wanna hear the bad news first because Oftentimes when people say that think it's bad news, it's never as bad as they think it is. And it's there's always a solution. It may not be fun and we may have to power through some things, but I'd like to hear that first so I can end on a positive note. And to stay with the theme of positivity and to help with my music playlist a little bit, what band or musician gets you the most energized? Well, I've been listening to <laughs> So I saw Wakanda Forever, loved it. And so I've been listening to that soundtrack you know, Rihanna does a lot. And so I've been listening to that. It's very faith-based. 
that sort of had resonated with me. And even though it's sort of a calm song, I listen to it on my run just to kind of keep me going because I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> so if you didn't work in the association world, what would your hypothetical dream job be? hypothetical dream job be you know what i did at one point work in retail and if retail made a little bit more i'd probably do that because you see lots of new people you're on your feet i like to be active and i think that would be really fulfilling for me everyone should have to work retail once in their life no <laughs> doubt fantasy about working at Amazon because I thought it'd be fun to put roller skates on so that I could roller skate from shelf to shelf pulling <laughs> stock. In. I like it. <laughs> so that's the buzzer. Thanks again for joining us today, Allegra. Thank you so much for having me. This is so much fun. Yeah, we enjoyed the conversation a lot. And thanks to everyone for listening to this episode of Engaging in the Next. Join us each month as we discuss trends that impact what's next in the association world. And be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple, Spotify, Google, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. And if you'd like more information about association briefings and how we can help your association produce a podcast or a unique data-driven newsletter, be sure to visit us online at associationbriefings.com. See you next time. Thanks, y'all.